0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. You have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Today's Bible reading is 1 Samuel chapter 10 through 12. And you know me, I didn't get to all that, and so sometimes I'll choose to stay in a book of the Bible through the Old Testament or the New Testament. I just want to make sure that I follow through, and since we have a little bit of time together, I want to just focus on Matthew chapter 6. We'll probably just continue going through the book of Matthew, and I'll stagger Old Testament and New Testament. We'll go back and forth one book after the other because I believe we want to make sure we get a full picture of God's Word. But Matthew chapter 6, open your Bibles, and let's go ahead and pray as we open the Word of God together. Father, we thank you for today. We look to your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path. We pray that you would lead us and you would guide us by the Holy Spirit. Make alive your word to us. God, help us to know what it says, what it means, and how we can live according to your word. I pray that the other influences in our life would not have that same power that your word has in our life, that we wouldn't give it that same place that your word has in our life, Lord. So we give over our hearts, we give over our lives, we give over our mind to you, and we ask you, God, to look into our hearts and see where there be something that is not aligned with you and your purposes according to your word. And would you make that adjustment in us? Would you change us according to your word? And would you help us to be people that please you and serve you only? And we thank you for this today. In Jesus' mighty name, And everybody said, Amen. We're in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to go ahead and read um, the first, at least the first 14, 15 verses, and we'll see how far we get from there. But this is what the Word of God says, starting in verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So, when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 5 When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you that they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words." So do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, and here's the Lord's prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil and some translations say the evil one. <clears throat> for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Verse 16, we'll just keep going here. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. You're getting the picture here that Jesus is is getting at. He's really trying to help us see, and really those that were listening to him during the Sermon on the Mount, he's trying to help them see, don't do what you do to be noticed by others. And we're going to get that picture really clearly today. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full, but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but your heavenly father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, there's a lot going on there, and what we are is we're actually still in the Sermon on the Mount. Yesterday, we began the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Some say this is like the most well-known, most powerful sermon that Jesus ever preached, But I actually want to explain that a little bit because I don't think this is actually just a mere sermon. I think this is potentially an all-day event where the disciples and many observers and onlookers and those that were gathered were listening as well, probably coming and going. Many were adding to the crowd as Jesus was teaching there on the hillside. The Sermon on the Mount to me is just many, many sermons, potentially an all-day seminar from Jesus The time frame escapes us, but what we do know is that Jesus taught some potent things. And I'm sure there were more stories and illustrations and principles and things that we don't read. And this was just a summary of what was being said. Because we see the expansive teaching of Jesus throughout the Gospels. And here we have like these bite-sized pieces of, bite-sized principles of Jesus' teaching. And they're powerful. They're potent. In fact, we, what we read about even in Matthew chapter 6, it's just so many different things um, in this passage. We're talking about giving and praying and fasting, and we're talking about wealth. We're talking about the heart. We're talking about anxiety and the cure for anxiety being prayer and trust. There's so many things. In fact, I could preach sermons and have preached many sermons just on Matthew chapter 6 just passages portions of Matthew 6 and those were 45 well you know me 55 minutes long most of the time but here's the deal what we have here is multiple multiple principles we have many focuses that we can take but i just i just want to bring up a couple things as we just go verse by verse and the first is as we look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1 he says something very interesting he says beware Of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Now, there's some other things he says, but beware. I was thinking about beware. Jesus is wanting to ensure that his disciples are not like the examples that they have in their time and in their culture, right? So, think about the backdrop here Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Jesus says this, which we read yesterday Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good deeds. And do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. What he doesn't say is let your light so shine before men that they might think you're a good person. He doesn't say that they might glorify you on the earth. The point is, is that what you do, you do it for the glory of God. You do it because it's right and it's righteous. You do it because that's what your heavenly father would do. You do it because you're following the ways of the word of God, which, by the way, is how humanity was supposed to be. God gives us his word to draw us into a place of right living, practicing righteousness, emulating our heavenly father. This is who God is. This is what he's called us to be like, made in his image, The backdrop of what Jesus is saying, every time he says beware, every time he says don't be like the hypocrites or don't do this or don't do that, he's saying it because our motivation matters, right? Beware, be mindful, be careful. Why? Because you and I can slip into a place of practicing right things for wrong reasons, Come on, just be honest with yourself right now. You and I can do that, and we can do that regularly. And we've got to be aware of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And this doesn't mean that we're constantly overanalyzing ourselves. We're constantly second-guessing ourselves. It means that we're putting our heart before God. It means that we're letting God search our hearts. Search our hearts, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. That's what the psalmist said that I wouldn't do things so that I would be noticed, that I would be you know, popular, that I would be honored by other people because they think well of me. No, 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 I wanna practice righteousness because it's right. We don't do right things because we want something in return. We do right things because it's right. And that really is what inspires us as well. When we see somebody practice righteousness, when we see somebody do what is right, do justice, practice mercy, giving to others, being generous, loving on people, serving others. When we see that and we can tell that someone's trying to get something out of it, they're giving to get no matter what they're giving, you know, there's something in us that just goes, ugh, it's just, it's awful. You know, we don't like it. And yet we can do the same thing. In our generation, it looks a lot different. In their generation, Jesus is talking about their examples. Their examples were the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, those that they saw regularly who would basically be out on the street corner and they would pray. Jesus gives a teaching in the book of Luke and other gospel accounts where he's talking about the difference between somebody who genuinely asks for mercy and then a Pharisee who's standing next to that person. And just as like, God, I thank you that I'm not like, you know, this pagan or this Gentile or this poor person, Jesus gives that as a contrast and an illustration to show who's genuine, who's truly authentic, who is actually humble. Because humility, knowing that we live in light of who God is and what God knows, he's the omniscient one. He knows everything. He knows the secrets of our heart. When we live before God, how can we not be humble unless we're not aware If we don't have an awareness, if we're not mindful that we live before God, that truly the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro to see who truly worships God, if we're not thinking about that, if we don't live in the fear of God first, if we don't live to please God first, then we will not be mindful of our own hypocrisy. Now again, they're living out in the marketplace and so they're watching people on the street corners do this. But see here, we don't really have that today, do we? Not as much. We don't have people out on the street corners trying to prove something all the time. It, it happens, but really, we live in the cyber world. We live in a world that's online. And so I wonder if we can actually take this picture that Jesus is giving us and think about it in, in the world that we live in. For example, if Jesus were to say, beware, not just of practicing your righteousness, but let's just say, beware of what you're posting and how you're posting it and what the purpose of it is. Are you doing what you're doing to let others know that you're a caring and loving person? Or are you doing it because this is you doing justice and practicing righteousness, and you simply believe this is what is right? I think today we we have this online world, we have this online presence, and a lot of times we practice righteousness and we take pictures of it because we want other people to know just how righteous we are. And I think that's uh, that's, to me, a warning. Not that we don't do any of that because we all take, you know, it's funny how we call it selfies. You know, we want everybody to see ourself. We want everybody to know who we are and what we've done. And I think that there's a caution from the Holy Spirit for us in our generation. We may not see that in the text the way that I'm saying it, but I actually think it applies to us in a different way than it applied to them. But the same principle is still true. Beware. That you don't practice your righteousness before men. Well, I think the way that we do that is we put it out there into the cyber world. We put it out there on social media. We put it out there on our websites. We talk about it with others to make ourselves look good. One of the reasons that I've had a hard time with taking a lot of pictures about what our church does and posting those on the internet, I think there's something okay about that in one sense because we want to share that, and I think, I think that's okay. But we've got to be careful that we're not trying to just let everybody know how cool we are, how great we are, how righteous we are, how much we're doing, and just to make sure that they know. We've got to check our hearts. It's not even always about the thing we're doing. It's about why we're doing it. So in one sense, we can't actually ascribe motive to what other, what other people are doing because they might be doing it right and righteously. But are we? And that's what I think Jesus would give us caution to today, is that we need to be careful because I think a lot of what we do is just out of the flesh or it's compulsion. And we're not really seeking to do justice and to practice righteousness. I struggle with that quite a bit because we live in a world of social media that pressures us to say something before we've prayed about it, to throw our voice in with other people when we don't even really fully know the story because we just want to make sure that everybody knows that I care about something. But you know what? We can say a lot of things, we can make a lot of posts, we can write articles, we can do all that and never do justice. What does Micah chapter 6 verse 8 say? It talks about do justice. This is what does God want from you, oh man, that you would do justice, not just say something about justice, but you would do justice, that you would love mercy and that you would walk humbly with your God. I want to put this in your mind. This whole chapter is about practicing righteousness and doing it righteously, doing it for the right reason. Jesus isn't actually having to tell them to do righteousness or to practice it. He's actually having to align the purpose for which they're doing it. I think for us, we need to make sure that what we are doing is justice and righteousness and why we're doing it is justice and righteousness. And so sometimes people will push me as a pastor and they might do the same to you and say, you need to say this and you need to do that. No, what you need to do, what we need to do, is we need to seek God, and we need to respond to His Word. That's what we need to do. Because right now, there's going to be a pressure for us to say things and do things, and you know what? The Lord might lead us in a way where nobody sees what we're doing but God. Nobody knows what we're doing but God and those to whom He's called us to serve. Is that enough? Is it enough that one person knows that we were practicing righteousness because it was right and it served them? And nobody else knows, there's no pictures, there's no evidence, only evidence in heaven you know what? Everything's being videotaped in heaven. I'll tell you that much. Right now, we're trying to videotape everyone. We're trying to videotape everything. We're trying to make sure we get things out there. People are building their platforms. That's what it's all about. I don't know if you've noticed this during quarantine, but it seems like every other sponsored ad on Facebook is all about how you can build your platform and you can build your business and you can build your this and you can build your that so that you can look amazing and you can look awesome and you can turn a profit and people will think awesome of you. And it's just self, self, self. And you and I, live in a world of pressure to be somebody and to do something and to make sure everybody knows about it. But here's the deal. Does our heavenly father see what is done in secret? He goes on to say things like, beware how you you give. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know what that is? That's first nature. That our generosity is first nature to us. We don't even stop and think about it. We see a need and we give to it. We realize that this is just who we are. And God is, is wanting us to be these kind of people. Jesus is encouraging that. He's saying that's character. Character is not something that you that you do in the moment that you're pressured to do it because other people expect it of you. Character is what comes out of you because it's who you are. It's first nature. I don't give because I have to or I want somebody to think well of me. I gotta give. I don't let my left hand know what my right hand is doing. It's first nature. It's just who I am. It's it's that you and I would practice righteousness because we're righteous. We would practice justice because we we live under the just one. And that's what it's all about. Biblical justice is true justice in my mind. And if we actually practice what Scripture says, not only are we going to love people and serve people and be generous to people and take care of people, but we would do that in such a way where our communities would be radically turned upside down the thing that we have to be aware of is our hypocrisy. Now, listen, I've had plenty of it in my life, so I'm not here to guilt you. There's no shame in this. What there is is as we read the scriptures, we respond to our heavenly father. And we wanna make sure that people glorify our heavenly father. That's what this is all about, that we do things in such a way where the people that are served and blessed and, and receive and all of that in our lives that are the extension of our righteousness, that they know it's God that they know it's God. Today, humanism has crept into the church. It's crept into society where it really, it really is about us doing good things and being known by that goodness. That's not what Matthew 5.16 says. It says, let your, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify God. If people don't know that what we do, we do it because we serve God, If people don't know that we love Jesus and it's because of his transformational power in our lives that we would even care, if they don't know any of that, they're not going to glorify God. They're going to glorify us. And that's the warning that Jesus gives. Make sure that people aren't giving you all the glory. Make sure that people aren't giving you all the credit and make sure your heart doesn't want that. And can we be honest today? Sometimes our heart wants that. Sometimes, man, sometimes we want to give and we want to get. Okay? It makes us feel better for a moment. And then it just wears off and we want more of that. That's what fame's all about. That's what power is all about. Power corrupts us. It really does. That's why humility is so powerful as we live before God because humility is where we just, we stand before God and everything is videotaped in heaven and we know that and we live before the Lord and we realize that that we are one with him and we're asking of him to flow through us for his glory, for his name's sake because he's the one that taught us the way of righteousness, because he's the one that caused us to have anything to be generous, because he's the one that showed us kindness and mercy so that we could show it to others. And as we give away what God has given to us, and it becomes first nature, we see that God produces something amazing in the world around us, and we don't stop to take notice for ourselves. We always stop And we're in awe and wonder of the mercy and the love and the righteousness of God and what it produces in our world. He says, be careful. Be careful how you pray. Be careful how you give. And be careful how you speak. Be careful how you fast. These were the things that they saw as an example that people were practicing in their hypocrisy. They wanted something for themselves. And I think this is so important. When he talks about giving here in verse 2, I'll just read it again. When you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites. And this could have been a reference to when you go to the temple and there were the treasuries that had trumpets, as it were, on them, or right adjacent to them, the way that the treasuries were set up, a person might take their coins and they throw them into those treasuries in a way where you can hear the coins. Ding, 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 ding. Don't do that. Don't do it in a way that people know that you gave a lot, right? Do it so that nobody knows anything about it because then it keeps what you're doing pure. And, uh, and I think this is such a very powerful passage for us today because the pressure is on. So be mindful of our motives. We reject hypocrisy. We repent of selfish motives. And we don't live out of compulsion in the flesh. We do what we do because it's right and righteous and we're serving Jesus. The second thing I wanted to say was we, we have to practice righteousness. So not only are we mindful of how we practice but we have to make sure that we actually are practicing righteousness and he talks about prayer he talks about fasting and he talks about giving and let me just talk about giving for a moment because I think giving is what strikes us close to home here he talks about giving in this particular passage but I want to bring up another one here in, in uh, Matthew six nineteen. do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. First, he says, don't store up for yourselves. This means that we have a tendency to do that. In our world, it's actually conventional wisdom. Uh, we want to amass great wealth in our bank accounts, our 401k plans, our stock our, our stock accounts, all of that. We want to make sure that we're well taken care of. It gives us a sense of security. There's something wise and good about saving, but there's something bad about storing up. In other words, when you get down to Matthew six thirty three. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things that the Gentiles seek after. And that's really like food, wealth, clothing, all of that. God will take care of that for you. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things, God's got you. He'll take care of you. What he's trying to get at is the number one influence in our life has to be the person and the purpose of Jesus Christ that we would not treat our wealth as our security. Our trust has got to be in God. Now listen to me, I'm not trying to say just deplete all your account, but what I'm saying, whatever you and I own is not ours. We are owners of nothing, we are stewards of everything, and the day we are going to recognize that for what it is is when we cross over that threshold into glory and we stand before Jesus and we're gonna look at him and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. We were a servant in God's house. We were a servant and a steward of God's wealth and resources, whether we had a little or we had a lot. It doesn't matter if you had a little, you're still a steward of what you have. You and I are stewards of our gifts, of our calling, of our wealth, of our relationships, of everything we have, our influence, all of that we are stewards of, and we're going to answer God. Other people might think that we've done a terrible job, but what? does God think? When he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, because guess what? Moth and rust destroy vermins. I mean, you know, you can lose it. We can lose our wealth. We can lose what we store up. How many of you have had that happen? I've had that happen. You save up, you store up. And all of a sudden, in one day, in one moment, in one stock crash, when the market goes down, it's all gone. All of that fictitious security can be be gone like that. It's all it takes. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's preparing our hearts for that moment. If that were to occur, that we didn't live for the ups and the downs of the market, but we lived according to the word. He's got to be the number one influence in our lives. And this is what he's getting at, I believe, in this entire passage of scripture. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then he goes on to say, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is is where your heart will be also. So what we do with what we have is actually indicative of our heart. Jesus gives this principle many times. He says, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. We cannot deny that. What comes out of our mouth is what is in our heart. And this is in a repetitive fashion. If we continue to talk about something, we cannot deny the fact that it's there, whether it's bitterness, whether it's celebration, whether it's righteousness, whether it's unrighteousness. What's coming out of our mouth is indicative of what's in our heart. And he's actually saying the same thing about our wealth or about our money or about our finances or about our time. He's saying time, talent, and treasure. What comes out of you is indicative of what is in you. And that's actually the next verse where he talks about the eye is the lamp of the body. He's talking about our focus our gaze, what we're looking at, what we're focusing on, what we're paying attention to, and what we're actually doing in the world. He says, if your eye is clear, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great will that darkness be? In other words, if what's inside of you is dark, it will come out of you. It will come out of the way you see. It will come out of what you do. And this is important for us that what's inside of us has to be full of light. When it is, the way we see, the way we act, the way we interact is going to be righteous. And it's in contrast to the examples that they had, as I've already said. This is vital for us that we know we can actually do the right things, but we can do them for the wrong reason, and they're self-serving. That's what they are. They're for us. I want something out of the deal, and we don't feel like it's right or somehow worth our time or worth our effort or worth our money if we don't get something out of the deal, and that is just false notions. That is the flesh, and we've gotta resist that. We've gotta reject that. We've gotta push back against that. Friend, here's the thing. We're going to give an account to the Lord, and Jesus is preparing us for that. Jesus is speaking to the practicality of what that looks like today, not tomorrow. See, the fear statement is that someday you're going to give an account to God, and you know what? You are. So am I. We're going to stand before God with every idle word spoken and every deed done, and it will be in front of Him, like a scroll laid out in front of our God. And here's the deal. Jesus didn't just say that as some kind of fear statement that we would constantly live in fear. He actually showed us how to live so that when that day comes, that we won't have to shrink back. That's what John said, that we wouldn't shrink back in his presence, that we could actually stand in confidence, not as perfect people, we stand in his righteousness salvationally. But we also wanna stand with not just this this bag full of mixture, but we wanna stand with clean hands and a pure heart that we did not lift our soul to another. Not wealth, not status, not fame, not notoriety, but we gave everything to him and for him, and we sought nothing in return. This is what this passage is. It's preparing our hearts to say, God, whatever I have is yours, and whatever I do is for your glory. And I want us to say those kinds of things. It's for your glory. When we pray, we just pray, for you and for your glory. Let's just incorporate that language to remind ourselves that we cannot be stuck on doing what we do for the flesh, for ourselves. It's got to be for God and for God alone. Jesus is doing us a a wonderful service by preparing us, speaking to our heart, showing us the way, giving us an example, teaching us principles to deny hypocrisy. And to lift up right and righteous ways so that the people around us would be blessed and better served because they knew us. And let me just tell you this about generosity. It says, where your treasure is, is where your heart will be also. One of the th- principles, and I actually believe this is one of the biggest tests, is money or mammon, which I think a spirit can be attached to. Money is, is neutral. It's amoral, in my opinion. The love of money can be is immoral. Money is amoral. In other words, it can be used for good, it can be used for bad, but here's the thing, we cannot clinch on to our money or to mammon, to material possessions. We have to have open hands so that God can use what he gives to us, what he allows us to have, whether a lot or a little, for his glorious purposes. And we can trust in the promises of Matthew 6:33 and others, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Maybe you've lost the job. Maybe you're going through a hard time. But here's the truth, is that we can trust the Lord. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Give him everything. Give him the glory. Give him your life. Give him, you you are a living sacrifice. Give it over to him, first in prayer and second in action. And God will take care of us. God's got us. But here's the thing, the first and the most important voice in our life has to be him and his words, has to be. It cannot simply be conventional wisdom. That will betray us. Conventional wisdom can betray us just as much as anything else. What seemed wisdom in the last season may not be wisdom today. And you know that. We're going through all kinds of stuff that we've never been through before. It's it's tearing us away from our security. But listen, if Jesus is our security, we can be secure. If that's where our trust is, We can be steadfast. Doesn't mean we won't have hard days. Doesn't mean we won't have to pray. We pray, give us today our daily bread. But it means that we can trust him with everything. We can trust him with our today and we can trust him with our tomorrow. Our whole life is in his hands. And what better place for our life to be than in the hands of our God who promises us, I'll take care of you. But listen, stop being mindful of yourself. Stop trying to take care of yourself so much. Stop trying to make it about yourself. This is what he constantly is saying to us. And so we just say yes and amen. We say yes and amen to Jesus as we follow him. Lord, make me like you. Teach me to be like you, to follow your ways and to do it the way that you did it. Jesus wasn't the most popular in his culture, but he certainly is today. (laughs) Whether people love him or don't, we love him because we know that he is the righteous one. And so we have to emulate him. We follow him not only in what we do, but why we do it. Let me encourage you, be mindful of what you're doing and why you're doing it. We give everything to him today. Let's go ahead and pray as we just further yield ourselves and our way, whether it be in person, online, whatever it is that we do, we do for the glory of God. Let's pray into that today as we close the daily word. Father, we do thank you today for your word. We thank you that these principles prepare us to be people that look like and act like Jesus Christ. And Father, we're grateful. The, the world's spinning around us, and Lord, it just touches us. It makes us want to respond, and often, Lord, it's imbalanced and compulsive in the flesh, and I admit, I admit that in myself, and I think we all tend to get riled up, but Lord, we need to really get stirred up. You know, we need to get built up by your word so that as we act and as we live and as we Go about our day that we are doing justice, that we are practicing righteousness, that we are showing mercy, that we're living according to the Beatitudes. We're following Jesus. And when other people have an opinion of our life, Lord, we don't give it as much credit as we do your word because we're going to stand before you someday. And I pray, God, that you would give us a greater awareness today of your presence. Give us a greater awareness of your word. Give us a greater awareness of the movement of the Holy Spirit that we would not hold back from you and the things that you're telling us to do. There are a lot of conventional, there's a lot of conventional wisdom out there today of do this and do that, and here's the things you need to do. So easy to read that and not do anything with it. But Holy Spirit, would you lead us, that we would be sacrificial in our way because we see that as an example in Jesus. And I pray God that we would not give ourselves to hypocrisy, being two kinds of people, and that we practice one thing, but we do it for ourselves. That kind of hypocrisy has no place among us. Lord, we repent for hypocrisy. And we just ask, God, that we would be people that practice righteousness because it's right. Because it's who you are and it's it's who you made us to be. So I thank you, Lord, for all those that are watching right now, that are tuning in. I pray, God, for your blessing. I pray that you would help us to be steadfast and strong in you and in your mighty power. Help us to live based out of your word and not forget when everything's spinning around us, not forget that we have a manual to teach us how to live and how to walk in this world to please you. That's our greatest desire. And we thank you, Lord, for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening.